You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Today's episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by Twisties. Twisties is my longest running client. I've been shooting for them for over a decade, and they are also the best site for lesbian erotica on the web. You know, on this show, we talk a lot about ethical porn and consent and boundaries. Let me tell you that when I shoot for Twisties, we cover all of those topics and you can rest assured that you are definitely accessing the most ethically produced porn out there. I, as the producer and the director, make sure of that. So check out twisties.com where you can access the hottest girl-girl scenes out there with big stars like Abella Danger, Demi Sutra, Kira Noir, Cherie DeVille, and Alexis Fox, plus up-and-coming newcomers like Jules Blue, Lulu Chu, Alexis Tay, Charlotte Sins, Giselle Blanco, and so many more. Go to twisties.com today. You will not regret it. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. And I am so excited to be bringing you a wonderful guest. Um, she's a personal friend of mine. She's somebody I've known forever. I absolutely adore her. We've worked together so many times, yet also, strangely enough, not enough times. I am talking, of course, about the one and only Aaliyah Love. <laughs> Hi, Holly. Dun, dun, dun. Yay! Drum roll. How are you? Good. I'm back on the podcast. I know. So the last time I had you on was with Cherie DeVille. Yes, yes. Who is one of your closest friends. Yes. Also a good friend of mine. Just I love her. a lovely person all around. She really is. Yeah. And, um, you know, having you two on at the same time was amazing because you guys have so many stories together and, like, play <laughs> off each other so well. But I was like, I need to have both of them back, but separately. So you can kind of have your own, the stage to yourself. And also I can split it up into two separate episodes, which helps me with my workflow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> have you had her back yet? No, she's coming on next week. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. nice. So, um, so I believe, ma'am. Yes. You have a story to tell us. <laughs> Should we just jump right into that? Because apparently you were teasing all your fans on OnlyFans last night about it. Yeah. I thought that was a good idea. And then, uh. I did a live show last night for my OnlyFans, which I do like weekly. Uh, shameless plug. <laughs> no problem. And at the very end, 
you know, I was just listing what a busy week I had. And I said, and tomorrow I'm going on Holly Randall's podcast. And uh, I got this story to tell. And it's a story I probably would have never told because you can't tell this on social media. And I couldn't even tell this, you know, during a live show like this because they're pretty much just waiting for me to shut up and masturbate. Yeah. And you don't want to tell a story about going to the hospital leading yeah. into masturbation. So yes. I was just never going to tell anybody. And then you invited me on the podcast, which I said I would never do again. Did you say that? Yeah, because they make me so nervous is the only thing. And I remember coming to you on set and saying, you know, I've been listening to your podcast since my episode so long ago, Mana Cherise, and uh, smoked a blunt in the way here. And we kind of just, you know, talked about whatever. I, I, I remember talking shit about several people. And we kind of just, you know, went with the flow and just talked. And I said, and now I see all these important smart people coming on your podcast talking about like such important issues and stuff. And uh, I kind of feel bad about my episode. And you said, well, do you have any important issues you want to discuss? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I quit doing podcasts. But now I do kind of have a crazy fucking story to tell. But yeah, I, I ended my live show last night kind of teasing it. And uh, by the time I got my clothes back on, there was... 40 emails going, wait, what? And I was just like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tease it like that. Like now you have to wait till tomorrow. So, um, they're probably listening right now. Good. (laughs) So we're all going to get, um, this kind of first reveal. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly we're not talking about the broken foot scenario. (laughs) No. (laughs) I've had some weird injuries like the last two years. I I know, I know. Yeah, you have. But this one sounds, okay, let's hear it. Let's launch into it. Okay, so uh, pardon me if this is a long story, but long story long. So um, I get migraines like a lot of people do, and it's basically from a fucked up neck I have. On the right side, I have some major bulging discs. And on the left side, I have a small bulging disc from a car accident I got in two years ago. So sometimes when I get migraines, um, when I get migraines, it'll all tighten up on my right side. The muscles tighten up and it ends up being like that. And then it goes into my forehead and my eye. And, oh, it's just excruciating. I've probably never canceled a shoot with you due to it. But I've had to cancel lots of things due to it. Yeah, I... um I honestly don't think I've ever gotten a migraine, and I cannot imagine what that is like. Yeah. It's not like you could lay on the couch and watch TV. Like, yeah. you can't look at anything. You can't hear anything. Yeah. Light, sound. You're just miserable till it passes. Right. So mine usually pass, like, in a day or, or two at the most. Um. So this time I had a three-day migraine, which was just absolutely miserable. But I, I didn't think anything of it. And then day four, I started getting dizzy. I was on the couch watching TV and I stood up and suddenly the room closed in around me and I looked down at my feet and they seemed like 30 feet away and I was just like, whoa. And to be honest with you, my first thought was, oh my God, I have somehow taken LSD or mushrooms. I don't think there's any in this house. So I ran to my bathroom and went through everything. All I found was vitamins and Tylenol. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right. I didn't accidentally trip myself. 
dose myself. <laughs> so, um, an- another four days of dizziness went by. And it Did was- you still have the migraine as well? No. The migraine the migraine's gone, but the dizziness remained. And where the migraine happens right here, mm-hmm. everything went numb. Jesus. Yeah, like numb, like to the point where I could, yeah, I was flicking my, like to, to show the doctors, I was pinching myself, flicking myself, and my right leg went numb. And um, I am not one to go to the hospital unless I think I'm dying. I have mm-hmm. no health insurance. It's expensive. It's a depressing place, you know. But uh, so I had a migraine for three days, dizziness for four days. And then day five of the dizziness, uh, I'm standing in my living room. And I'm just looking around and everything's just not right. And something told me right there, go to the hospital right now. Mm-hmm. So I call 911. I go to the hospital. And when I get there, things start getting a lot worse. So uh, they had me do uh, the sober test that uh, police officers have you do. The walking the, the line. The walk in a straight line. So I'm trying to crack jokes while I'm doing it. So I'm yeah. always trying to crack jokes in like s- serious situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or yes. Always. Yeah. Or just always. Yeah, just yeah. always. Um, but I can't put one foot in front of the other. And I fall over onto a bed. So then he says, touch your finger to my, your nose and then to my finger. And I'm going... For those not watching, just listening, I hate it when they do that on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not touch my finger to my no- nose and then his finger. So I start crying hysterically. And I don't know why, but everyone in the hospital asks you, why are you crying? You're like, well, for one, I'm in a hospital. So my yeah. life's not necessarily exactly going great right now. Right. <laughs> like, is this really a question you're asking? Is this a happy place normally? <laughs> right. Am I the first person you see crying here? <laughs> So they get me a bed and we run a bunch of tests and I'm just, every test they do that I fail, that I couldn't do correctly, I just start crying again. And then finally I just started telling the truth when they said, why are you crying? And I said, well, people usually cry because of the unknown and we don't know what's wrong with me and that's scary and I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And I was like sobbing uncontrollably and, uh, so this went on for hours and hours, and they did a CT scan because everyone thought I had um, a stroke, including me. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and then I lost my sense of taste, too, because everything over here was numb. Right. So then they're like, COVID. And I'm like, no, but test me for that, too. Run every test. At this yeah. point, I was not worrying about money. I was making it rain. I'm like, every test you got. Yeah. And I'm crying and I'm doing the why me and I'm doing the I'm I'm so fucking scared. And then I told you this is a long story, but this is actually the best part that I was going to get to. This is life changing. Look, I just got goosebumps. This is life changing. And it's one of the craziest things that ever happened to me in my life. But so I'm laying there in my hospital bed all alone. My phone had died. They tried to give me a TV, and I was just so confused at that point. I, said, oh, I just pushed it away. I literally just stared at the wall in front of me. Oh, I knew I'd forget some of the story. And I was starting to get confused. Mm. I was repeating myself. Um, <laughs> I kept asking, uh, excuse me, have I peed my panties? <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, did I pee my panties or not? I can't tell. <laughs> And um, just just things like that. 
I, I kept on repeating people's names because I was trying to remember them. Like the nurse, hi, my name's Rosie. I was like, nice to meet you, Rosie. And then a second later, I'm like, I was getting confused. And that's when I got really scared, when my mm-hmm. brain wouldn't work. Yeah. And then my brain would work, but I couldn't get the words out. Or I'd like, uh, I just kept repeating myself over and over, but I could hear myself mm-hmm. going, I, I know this isn't right. I know I'm fucked up. So, so scared, so sad. And then, so I'm sitting there for hours and uh, <laughs> I just love this part so much. I've told this so many people. So my first thought is, oh, and I kept fainting too mm-hmm. and waking up and fainting. And so I woke up from fainting and I went, yeah, I'm going to die. Like I was for sure not, am I going to die? Oh my God, what's going to happen? I went, you're going to die. And then immediately my first thought again was, why me? I said, uh, damn, it's really sad that I've only had 40 years on this on this planet in this lifetime. And then this thought, this voice in my head, this whatever, I've never had an absolute thought. Mm-hmm. I think like most people, when you have a thought, you know, then you ruminate it over in your head and you go, maybe it's that, maybe it's this. Oh, I'm pretty sure. You know, unless you were to say like, this tablecloth is black. Right. Something absolute like that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So less than a second later, I mean, it just went into my head right then and there as absolute as anything that's ever been, I don't know if it was told to me, anything I've ever thought, whatever. Um, it went, yeah, 40 years. You are so fucking lucky. And every moment has been a blessing. Every moment. And I went, Yeah. And then my brain went back to negative town and I went, but how depressing to die in a hospital all by yourself and my family doesn't even know where I am. And then again, within less than a second, it said, death is only going to be one minute. You've had a gazillion minutes and they've all been amazing. And that minute will be over. And I went, <sighs> and I just smiled and a a peace washed over me that I'd never felt before. Wow. Are you about to cry? Maybe. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I see my, I'm wearing my contacts. Yeah. They're kind of dry. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just the most amazing feeling I had ever felt. Just, death is okay. And we're all afraid of, I mean, I'm definitely afraid of death. And like I said before, I think most of that is the unknown. Mm-hmm. But I'm also afraid of dying. And maybe because, you know, we've seen movies and stuff where people are, I don't want to die. And everyone's going, don't leave me. Or they're going, I'm in so much pain. But really right then and there, it said death will be one minute and then I'll be over. And every other minute has been fucking amazing. And you're so lucky. And a peace and just happiness and just I'd never felt so lucky my entire life laying in that fucking hospital bed going, I'm going to die soon. And that's fine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've just had a different mind frame since then. I mean, you know, I still have good and bad days yeah. and I still have depression days and stuff. But, like, I just go back to that thought and it's just so true. And it's just, I don't know how I just knew that. Yeah. Or what told me or what. But I was just so comforted and at peace in that moment. 
And I just sat in that hospital bed and went, gonna die. It's all lovely. So you didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. And, and then I didn't die. And then you didn't die. Yeah. So what happened? Like, what was wrong with you? The doctor comes into the room and goes, um, I don't know if you're going to think this is good news or bad news, but all your tests came back normal. Um, the only thing that was a little bit off, which doesn't even count, is like my sodium levels were a little bit off, but that's because, you know, I hadn't eaten in five, six hours. So everything was fine. I didn't have a stroke. They said, your brain is fine. The blood flow to your brain is fine. Everything's fine. And I went, yeah, but I'm not fine. So then my hero, my love, Sheree DeVille shows up. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to reason with them. Like she saw me try to take three steps and fall over. And she's saying, this girl does yoga five days a week, blah, blah, blah. And funny part, I remember her standing there arguing with the doctor, and I go, hey, guys, I feel like I'm standing, but it looks like I'm sitting. Can somebody confirm? And she goes, you're going to let her leave in this condition? She's not fine. And they're like, there's nothing else we can do. So uh, Sheree takes me home. I live alone. Um I don't remember the day after, so I probably slept. But I know the day after that, I went to get an MRI, and I was still very confused, very confused. I took an Uber, of course. I couldn't drive anything. Um, And I remember going there, and again, I'm trying to, like, get my brain to work, so I'm repeating people's names. And I remember I walked in, and and, uh, the nurse guy said, Hi, my name is Pete. Put your purse on this chair. And then go right here and sit in this chair and wait for me. Well, I turn, I put my purse in the chair, and then I turn around, and I'm completely confused. And I just start wandering the hallways of this MRI imaging center, opening doors, going, hi, my name is uh, Leah. (laughs) I almost messed up there. And uh, I don't know where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to be doing. And they're like, oh, ma'am. Come here. (laughs) So I was still very confused, got the MRI. um, And then I went to an orthopedic surgeon who I know. And basically, long story short, is the bulging disc in my neck bulged out some more. And this is me repeating layman's terms, what the doctor told me while my brain was sort of working. So it's a game of telephone. But basically what he said was, the disc bulged out more. It impinged a nerve. And then he said, yes, I think he said blood. He could have said oxygen was probably cut off to that area of your brain mm. for a little bit. And I went, well, whenever I've heard that, that means brain damage. And he said, no, because it's flowing fine now. Um, he said, are you a little confused right now? And I said, yeah. And he said, your brain went through a traumatic event. He said, you know, don't watch flashing things. Don't, you know, like give your brain a break for a few days. I can do that. And then he said, to tell you the truth, the exact same thing happened to me when I was 37. And it never happened again. Weird. Uh, yeah. And he said it was the, it was the exact same thing. And uh, he said, so uh, this may never happen again. So I took that as good news. And I said, 
yeah, that, that one, that's what's going to happen to me. This is never going to happen again. It's just going to be a crazy story. Yeah. And then he said, but if it does, you rush your ass to the hospital as quick as you can and you rush your ass to your neurologist because then it's brain stuff. Yeah. And every person I've told this story to is like, well, it's, it's going to happen again and what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, maybe it won't. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping it won't and I feel great now. <laughs> um, I'm doing a lot of yoga, stretching and stuff yeah. to keep the neck. But um, yeah, I'd say it's one of the craziest things to happen to me my whole life. Wow. And yeah, just that knowing, just yeah. not even that, it wasn't even a thought. It was just like, I knew a hundred percent. I have, okay. I have like more questions about this okay. and I also have like more comments about this, but <laughs> we do need to take a commercial break. Oh, okay. So we're going to do that and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about, um, <laughs> like, I don't know, God and life after death and all kinds of like deep insightful things. And then maybe we'll talk about like dicks too and like anal or something just to keep you guys happy. (laughs) Um, So hang tight guys. We'll be right back. Good health starts with good habits. Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to care for your mouth. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million people and has timed sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute clean, a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount, reusable handles in a range of sleek metal hues, including all black and all pink. And Quip rewards you for brushing your teeth. You can get free refills, products, Target gift cards, and so much more. I love Quip because it really helps me stay on top of my brushing routine. I don't have to think about how long I'm brushing my teeth for. It gives me sonic pulses that tells me when to move on to the next section of my teeth. And it rewards me for brushing my teeth like a good girl. If you go to getquip.com slash holly, right now you will get your first refill for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash holly. Here's an important public service announcement. If you have a penis and you're in a relationship, you can add some magic to your sex life with The Handy. Yes, The Handy can also be for couples. It doesn't just have to be used by you on your own. Now, The Handy is an automatic sex simulator that combines state-of-the-art technology and a sleek Scandinavian design to give you a masturbation experience like no other. Using the power of technology, Handy is the first masturbator with flexible stroke lengths up to 4.3 inches and speeds up to 10 strokes a second. Finally, technology has brought us something worth using. What's great is that it also has free firmware upgrades, so you can get the latest features and functionality without constantly having to pay extra for brand new hardware. So use the Handy on your own or with your favorite person and give your penis a whole new experience. And right now, for my listeners, you can get $10 off your handy order when you go to thehandy.com and enter code HOLLY at checkout. That's thehandy, H-A-N-D-Y, dot com, and use promo code HOLLY for 10% off. That's thehandy.com with code HOLLY. Handy, the sex toy that revolutionizes masturbating. Okay, we are back. So, um, I mean, obviously, 
this whole thing very scary, like medically, but what an incredibly like crazy mental trip and like emotional experience. Life changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, stories like that, it's those moments that give us perspective, which I think are so important for us because we do get so caught up in like that day to day bullshit, you know, Mm -hmm. like the, the, the clients and the, you know, all the little stupid things that like, you know, we make into such a big deal. And then when you have those moments of like, wow, like a life and death experience, and you're and and I love that what came out of that for you was gratitude because I think that's one of the most important qualities that we can have to to truly enjoy and and be happy in our lives. So, like, in what way has that changed you specifically? That experience. Um. Well, I'm still my normal self, and I still have my daily stresses, but I just keep going back to that. Every moment's been a blessing. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you're so lucky to get any of those moments. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say, you know how like that saying, like when you're on your deathbed, you don't want to regret. You don't have any regrets on your deathbed and your life does not flash before your eyes. At least for me, Mm -hmm. I I had no regrets. It was the opposite. So yeah, I mean, just, just gratitude and just, I'm just still blown away at like how absolute that, not voice in my head, but just that. It wasn't even a thought. It was just a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, you're, you're right because we don't, you know, in the movies we see this absolute, these absolutes or we read about them like, and from that moment I knew, and like, we almost never have those experiences, no. you know, we'll have these strong convictions and then they'll waver and change. And they're always like muddied a little bit by, you know, all the other noise in our life. So what do you think that was? Like, do you think that was God? Do you believe in God? I mean, I, (laughs) what a question, (laughs) what a loaded question. Um, I'm spiritual. Mm -hmm. So, um, I believe that there's something, um, I don't know. I don't know what told me that. That's not the way I normally think. And like I said, if it was a thought from me, I would have gone, yeah, but yeah, it's been Mm -hmm. cool. But it was just. So absolute in my brain. Um, yeah, like whatever word you want to attach God. To, I mean, whatever you want to attach the word God to. Um, I'd say that's the closest I've ever come to divine intervention. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I believe that life is magical. I believe there's, gosh, I don't know. I'm very spiritual. I mean, you're holding a crystal right now. Yeah, I'm holding a crystal (laughs) to keep me grounded, my black tourmaline here. Um, Yeah, I believe there's a lot of magic in life that we can and cannot see that's happening all around us. And uh, something intervened that day. Yeah. So I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I think about – so obviously, you know, almost everybody knows I'm in a 12-step program. And so – when I was first starting to get sober and attending meetings, you know, there's a lot of talk about God, which yeah. is something that scares people away from a the program power. a lot, yeah. which I totally get. Cause I was the same. I was raised atheist. And, um, you know, the idea of talking about like God, give it up to God. I was like, this is nonsense cult bullshit. Yeah. You know? And I still don't believe in a, you know, the, the Jesus kind of God in the sky yeah. that sends you to hell or heaven. Like, I don't believe in those things, same. but there have, I, I, I agree with you. 
Um, I do think there's, yeah, there's something like kind of unexplainable that, um, I think guides us and, um, that, you know, I think having faith is in something is a nice way to just live life. Otherwise it just feels like chaos and fear, you know? And, and pointless. Yeah. I don't think we're all just walking around around here pointless like yeah. ants. Yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> descriptions that I've heard of like what God is, is that like God shows up in other people, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like it shows up in, in, in people who come and take care of you, like Shuri. Right. So oh. like we could say Shuri is God. <laughs> <laughs> Shuri Deville is God and a goddess. <laughs> um, and, you know, that it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of like, those the, the the collective human consciousness, right? Yes, the collective consciousness. I yeah. think that that could I've been be learning a lot about that. Lately. Yeah, like maybe that could be a good way to describe it. Yeah, it, it's interesting that experience that you had because I'll I'll mention the story from my mom since I know you're a big fan of my mom's. I'm her biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when my mom was pregnant with my sister, <clears throat> my youngest her youngest, my younger sister, um, she had a C-section and her heart stopped. The anesthesiologist gave her too much anesthetic and her heart stopped for a couple minutes. And my mom is not a spiritual woman at all. Like not, not at all. And she said that she had like a, like a kind of crazy experience similar to what you had. She felt that she was floating in this kind of space and she could hear what was happening and she could hear the doctors and she could hear the beeping and she could hear like all of the attempts at resuscitating her. Um, but she said that she felt this great peace, this wonderful, great peace. And she felt that she had a choice as to if she could come back or go. And she actually said she wanted to let go because it felt so peaceful and wonderful. And then she heard my father's voice and then she heard him say like, you have two other children. Like we need you to come back. That used to make me cry. And she made this choice to fight and to, and to come back. But, but those moments I think, cause you're right. We do fear death so much. I mean, I'm terrified of it. Of course. Like the, the idea of non-existence. Yeah, is it's so, the unknown, is the ultimate so scary. Unknown. Yeah. But I also like love sleeping. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like sad when I wake up, and I'm like, damn, I, I'm no longer sleeping. That was really nice. And so, if like death is like an eternal sleep, then like, isn't it just nice? I'd like to think that we get more than one chance at life because uh, I've done nothing but party and fuck around with this life. No regrets. Yeah, but I hope we get some more chances. But Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my parents always said that, like, you live on, you know, through memories. the memory. Like, you live as long as the people who remember you. Oh. Right? Yeah. Which Have is you seen also the movie nice. Coco? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, We're getting so emotional today. I know. We should start talking about dick soon or something. <laughs> this is getting way too deep. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, God, having like those kinds of existential moments are just are yeah. crazy. So you feel grateful for it? Are you happy that it happened? I'm so happy that it happened. Um, ask me again when I get the hospital bill. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I know. The ambulance bill, the hospital bill. Um, but yeah, like it's funny because – I basically went through the five stages of grief, like mm-hmm. within one minute, like, mm-hmm. you know, why me bargaining? What is it? Anger, Anger. acceptance, yeah. 
I don't know. But um, yeah, when I had that epiphany and uh, I just kept saying like, when they say your health is wealth and health is everything, like it's true. And if I ever feel good again, like I'm not going to take that for granted because when you don't have your health, nothing else matters. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Yeah, that's true. So, um, and I thought about all, all the times you've been healthy and you made yourself unhappy or pissed off or just. Or you made yourself unhealthy. Yeah. 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 So, um, Yeah. I'm a changed woman. Wow. <laughs> My God, that's, yeah, that's a crazy story. I it, love it, it though. Is, it is. I, I hope it never happens again. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I think one near-death experience is enough yeah. for us. Yeah. We don't need more than that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, what's what's great, you know, you talked about having, like, a second chance, like a second life, but, like, you're only 40. I know. I'm older than you. Like, you still have... So much time, another, yeah, to do like whatever you want. Anything. You can do anything. And now I know anything and everything I do is a blessing. Yeah. And now I know every minute. Yeah. This minute here. Yeah. It's just all. Yeah. A present. Yeah. The present is a present. This is so true. Gosh. This is so true. cheesy now. I know. So should we talk about like dicks or something? Yeah. You want to talk about dicks? (laughs) I love talking about dicks. What's your ideal penis size? This is a question that I've asked like so many, so many times. I'm making this face and crossing my arms because I always answer this honestly, but by 99% of men, I am told I'm a liar. (laughs) So I'm going to answer this honestly. I got nothing to hide. I've already said a bunch of crazy things today. Um, My perfect penis size would be medium. And I do like foreskin. We were talking about Tommy Pistol earlier. Mm-hmm. His penis just popped into my head. Um, bigger is not better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a small girl and I have a pretty small vagina. And I could think of two scenes that it just hurt so bad that that was years ago. And I mm-hmm. still remember it. And I could have called cut and canceled it any time. No one was forcing me to do it. But I wanted to get the scene done. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, two big hearts. And also, having a big penis means nothing if you don't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And even if your job, your one job, your profession is to use that big dick while everybody watches, sometimes a lot of male performers still can't even fuck right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, too, like sometimes if the penis is like really big, that they it's harder to get hard because it requires like more blood. Yes. So. Oh, and sometimes they're so big you can't put it in your mouth without using your teeth because Yeah. Your mouth yeah. only opens so wide. Yeah, that's true. I remember saying to some of those guys, Oh, you poor thing, you've never been deep throated. And then all the other guys inside are like, Don't feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you like an average size penis. What is like- average to you? See, people go by inches, but everybody always lies, and I've never really gotten out a tape measure. So, I don't know. I'd say five, six inches, but... I I think five and a half is, like, average. Yeah. I have very tiny hands. Like, I literally can't buy rings because my ring size is three. Mm -hmm. I have very tiny hands for those. (laughs) And um, with these two fingers, I could reach the back of my vagina. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So if this reaches the back of my vagina and I could come five times in a row, why would I need a dick this big? Mm. And also I try to explain to guys the dicks in porn are big for aesthetics and also we're fucking at 90 degree angles to let the camera in. So you got to have a couple extra inches right there just to go around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. I've said this exactly what I've said because I can tell you as a director and a photographer, we, there needs to be insertion, but we also need to see the penis as well. So it has to be long enough that there can be some separation between the bodies yeah. in order to see it. If the only way that we can see the penis, I mean, if the penis is all the way in, and then there's no more to go, then I can't see anything. All I see is two bodies pressed together, and that's not what we want. Exactly. So, yeah, it's 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 like for technical reasons, and it's also like porn is a fantasy and it's not real. Huh. And um, your masculinity is not measured by, you know, your performance in bed and, like, your penis size. And so many guys try to lead with that. And I always say, uh, hey, before you let a girl know that you have – a nice penis, which I'm sure half of them are lying. There's 20 other steps before you even get to show her your penis. Mm-hmm. Like I said the other day, what's your, they asked me during my live show last night, what's your favorite type of penis? And I said, oh, my favorite penis is the one that's attached to a gentleman who is truthful and generous and sweet and listens to my rambling stories <laughs> And knows how to make me come. I love that. Yeah. So that's my favorite type of penis. And you could have the most amazing penis, but if you're a piece of shit human being. Yeah. I'm thinking of another person in the industry right now. Ooh, I won't ask until after the podcast and then you can give me names. <laughs> and then you'll be like, oh yeah, everybody says that about him. <laughs> but yeah, porn's taught me that too. Like, um... I had sex, I have sex with so many people and some of them are the absolute most beautiful, physically attractive people you've seen, but their attitudes just make them mm-hmm. not attractive to me at all or mm-hmm. the opposite, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, attitude is, is everything. I had my ex before I dated my husband. I don't know if you met him. I feel like you've, you met him. You accent. No. Oh. Who are you talking about? Um, oh, my ex-husband? You were married before? Yeah. Oh, I guess he was British. He was he was British. Yeah, British. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, not him. <laughs> the in-between guy. Mm. Between the two husbands. Mm. There was one guy that I was with for a long time. Anyways, um he was, you know, and it's funny too cuz he'll admit it as well. Like he's, you know, he's not somebody I would swipe right on on Tinder. I'll put it that way. Um but we met on a, on a set and he's not a performer by the way. And, um, you know, he was kind of average in many other like aspects, but he had like an, an overwhelming amount of confidence. And that's what I was attracted to. We were together for like two years. Yeah, absolutely. And he, it's funny cause he would laugh. He'd be like, I know people like see us when we go out and they're like, what does she see in him? Um, but like he, but he said that not like, as a self-deprecating thing. Like he knew like his kind of limitation, but he like didn't care. He just had like so much like confidence and swagger. And I honestly feel that women are attracted to that because I think that women, maybe more so than men, but I think humans in general, we're attracted to like power 
And it's whatever that power means to you, you know, like whatever you consider powerful. So some women consider money powerful. Some women consider good looks powerful. Some women consider like career success powerful, intelligence powerful. Like just, it's just whatever that is. And yeah, for me, it's, it's, it's confidence. Like I want to be with somebody who's very self-assured about themselves. I don't want to baby right. you. I don't have to want to babysit you at a fucking party. Like I don't, you know, want someone who's clingy and follows me around. Like right. I want somebody who's got their own thing, their own life. And like, they're good on their own. Yeah. You know, nobody that says you complete me. Yeah. We need to both be complete and then we can hang out together. Yes. And have some fun. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you were to line up my ex-boyfriends, um, yeah, none of them were very good looking, to be honest, but they made me feel good. Yeah. And that's all that matters. You said powerful. I like men that make me feel powerful. And mm-hmm. that's being listened to, mm-hmm. um, being trusted and trusting them, knowing that they're honest. Yeah. If you have that, I love your dick. I don't even know what it looks like, but your dick is great. As long as you get it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, that's, um, that's my thing. favorite dick attached to somebody like that. I love that. That's such a great answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so along those lines, what's like the best way to please you as a woman? Oh God. Like, cause you know, different, that's the thing too. I think a lot of guys think that like every woman's the same in terms of what they like. And that's not true. So what yeah. particular to you is. I've wondered why men think that. And I think it's because, um, all dicks are different too, but the basics, you know, it's just the basics when you play with the dick. I I could get any dick hard Mm -hmm. without you telling me exactly what you're into, Mm -hmm. I think. But, um, every vagina is, is very different for me. I'm so lucky. I'm so sensitive and so multi-orgasmic and, um, a lot of it is mental for me too. Like, a lot of it is like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Like mm-hmm. onset or off. Mm-hmm. Um, so like physically, what can you do? Gosh, I'm so easy. Like I love kissing every scene partner. When you were talking about the big dicks and bodies mashing into mm-hmm. each other, I was talking about this during my live show last night too. Cause I said, some performers try to avoid kissing or don't kiss. I said, if you're going to do a scene with me, we're going to make out like it's high school. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like we'll be in the middle of fucking and I could feel them trying to pull away to create that separation for the mm-hmm. camera to come in. And sometimes I'll even hear the uh, director say, open up, which means separate as much as you can beside your genitals and let the cameraman in. And sometimes mm-hmm. a guy holding a light and five other guys <laughs> and um, they'll go to pull away to do their job. And I just pull them in closer, just mash my face in them. Like, yeah. I'm going to get some of mine this time too. But um, I've come in almost all of my scenes and I'm very multi-orgasmic and um, I've had a few performers, but a lot of directors be like, Aaliyah, you could tone it down a bit. We don't need you coming that much. Or Aaliyah, um, you could be quiet. Or there's one director who won't hire me anymore because he only shoots in hotel rooms. And he's always like, the scene you did for us is one of everyone's favorite scenes, but you're just too loud. And yeah. I said, I'll be more quiet this time. He said, no, you won't. So um, I'm very over the top. 
in my scenes and in personal life, but it's, I'm not faking it. That's just how I am. And sex is kind of like a, a chance to be dramatic and over the top. And mm-hmm. I like that. It means like the <laughs> ultimate connection between two people. Yeah. So I'm turned on so easy. If you kiss me, if you look me in the eye, if you talk dirty to me, any sort of pussy looking gets me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm really easy, but I always say, um, if you want to know how to please your woman, just ask her. And she might be too shy to just say with words. I've I've been. I remember before porn, guys guys saying that like, "What do you want me to do to you?" And I was like, <laughs> I, "I I don't know." Like, God, why are you putting me on the spot? Now I feel weird and awkward. <laughs> oh my God! Now I don't feel sexy at all. Um, just do it. Just do whatever you're gonna do. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just lost my train of thought. So ask her. But if she's too shy to tell you with words, she will tell you with body language. When you go down on a girl, they try really hard to show with their body or sounds Mm -hmm. what they like and what they don't, I think. You know, some girls will grind their pussy into you more or move away a little bit or encourage you or get louder. So you got to ask them. Every vagina is different. I can't even figure some of them out. Yeah. You know, I had a a great episode with Melanie Curtin last week, actually, if you haven't listened to it, you should go check it out. She's a sex researcher and she's done a lot of studies on men and women and, you know, what women like and how to improve your sex life and, and, you know, men dealing with, you know, issues in the bedroom, erectile dysfunction, whatnot. And she's done a ton of research. And we were just talking about how, um, you know, men can get aroused, I think, in like five minutes or something is sort of the average women can take anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes to become fully aroused. Yeah. So first of all, I think that's such an uneven playing field. I'm like, why did God or Sheree Deville, whatever you want to call him, (laughs) um, (laughs) why Why did they, why why did they make it so uneven between men and women? That's such bullshit. It's like really unfair. And also why does it have to take us so long? Like, I mean, I know for you, it sounds like it's not that way, but it is for me. It does take me a while, which is why I, one of the reasons I could never be a performer because like I am, I am hard. I'm a, I'm a difficult key, key to unlock. Lock to unkey, lock to unlock. Let's, let's just go with that. Lock to unlock. Um, <clears throat> but uh, do you? And we and we talked a lot about porn and like you know people's um, the way that it's influenced people who may not like have any knowledge, mm, mm. no sex education, um, do not no us. idea Don't. about communication. So I was going to ask you, like, do you think that porn negatively affects a way a lot of men like think women want to be? pleased. Yes, absolutely. I mean, in every sense of the word, um, if you're not going to watch a violent movie of a guy running down a street, shooting guns at people and jumping out of helicopters or whatever, if you're not going to go out and do that the next day, don't watch me fucking on camera. Uh, we probably fucked for an hour and a half and they edited it down to the best 35 minutes and did close-ups and far aways and do not imitate what I'm doing on camera. Just like we said, the separation and the opening up Mm -hmm. 
And um, the guy's hand behind the back. Oh yeah. This whole yeah, always, yeah. Like, <laughs> like they're hiding something. <laughs> or I feel like they're about to take a bow, like they're gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they're um, a butler, like waiting. Yes. <laughs> Here's your penis, madame. Um, Please suck it. Yeah, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, we're doing this for entertainment, and we're doing sex the best way we can to make you horny and come. We're not showing you sex education and so, so many things that I've done on camera. Um, I would never ever do off camera, not because I didn't enjoy it, but, um, for so many reasons. And, uh, I learned that the hard way before I got into porn, there was this certain type of porn that I liked. And when men would ask, I would always say, I'll tell you what I like, but I would never, ever do this. And I would never want it done to me. Mm-hmm. And every guy I ever told that to ended up trying to do that shit to me and all the way down to speech. Like I've had guys on Twitter come and say like the most obscene things to me. And I'll be like, is this is how, is this how you're introducing yourself to me? Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, Oh, I thought that would, turn you on because somebody called that to you in a video, called you that in a video. I'm like, yes, but I knew that person for 10 years and, um, we discussed it ahead of time. That's a lot. You know, we've, we've been reiterating this for years. So I'm sure everyone listening knows by now, but everything we do is not only practice is not only discussed ahead of time. But it's also practiced. Like any crazy move you see where I'm being picked up or pushed against a wall or flipped around, we practice it ahead of time. Like that scene in Boogie Nights <laughs> with uh, Dirk Diggler and Roller Girl. And he's like, okay, how about we do the doggy and then we flip her into this and then we won't have to cut it all. We do that. Like I'll say, like yesterday I was shooting for myself and I said, well, We need to discuss where the cum shot is because that's going to determine our last position. And, okay, if that's our last position, what's going to be our first? Okay, we want to do this in one cut. So where, and we were shooting with a camera, a phone. So where can you hold the phone while I'm making this awkward transition of flipping around and you're moving this way without catching that mirror over there? Mm -hmm. So it's all planned out. And discussed ahead of time and yeses and noes. And if you see somebody getting rough with me, it's because we discussed it. If you see somebody choking me, literally, I've taken their hand and gone, can I go this hard? Can I go this hard? You can go this hard. Mm-hmm. If you go too hard, I will pinch you If you, mm-hmm. or I will do this or I will wave, cut, cut. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think sex should be porn. I don't think porn should be sex education at all. Mm-hmm. And even if your partner is freaky or likes watching porn with you or says she's says they are into something like that, just talk to them and ask them. Just like vaginas, everyone's different. But the sex I have on camera is, is nothing like the sex I have. It's camera. also like kind of somebody... I interviewed once compared it to like WWE wrestling or WWF. Yeah. Yeah. The wrestling, the fake wrestling. Yeah. Don't (laughs) call it fake. Some people get pissed. (laughs) Um, Because there are moves that you do that look a certain way, but they're not a certain way. So you can do what looks like an insane choking thing. And it's actually not that much pressure. Or you can do the hair pulling 
where you don't actually pull, you actually push like the mm-hmm. the hand against the head. So it looks like you're pulling hair, but you're not. And then the the girl will pull her head back like she's having her hair pulled, but she's doing that. Yeah. So like there's moves that we do that make it look a certain way, but it's not. Do you know what made me laugh though? Do you remember that like that ridiculous BuzzFeed article that came out that everybody was laughing about? And it was like Which all <laughs> the thing I know, all the things about porn that like you didn't know and and there was a lot of like absolute bullshit in there. Oh, I don't from people who like work in porn. Anyways, one of them was some person who said they used to PA on sets said that the noise that you get um that you hear in porn scenes that ass slapping is somebody off camera slapping two chicken breasts raw chicken breasts together to make a slapping noise. And I was just like, what a weird lie. Because first of all, it's laughable that you think that like we do sound editing and porn, like we have a budget for that. Right. right? Well, first of all, what would that person get paid? Yeah. And like, how do you time the slaps (laughs) to the video? That's so much work. They'd really have to be a professional at this. Like, why wouldn't you just use the, the, the sound of the, the the butt against the I was just like huh? the only thing that comes close to this that happened once for me <laughs> I mean not even close it's not even that hilarious um, was when I had my broken foot mm-hmm. um, I don't remember the name of the studio I'm awful but this gay studio uh, gay boys was letting me be an extra on some of their sets, which was mm-hmm. so much fun. Mm-hmm. Not an extra, I had an acting part. It was important, mm-hmm. but because my foot was broken, um, when I walked, they let me wear my slippers and a boy sat behind the door and took my heels and did the, Oh, <laughs> but we even had to practice that a few times and that was four steps. Yeah. So I can't imagine chicken breasts. I know. Right. It's like so weird. <laughs> I just couldn't understand, like, what a strange thing to say about porn sets. Of all, like, the lies that you could come up with about porn sets. And there's a lot of lies about porn sets. Yeah. Like, the the raw chicken breast is just a strange Oh, choice. and raw, too. Yeah. And then you're going to get salmonella. Yeah. That's insane. It's just crazy. Wow. I know. Okay, so I just have a couple more questions for you. Oh, and I have my Patreon questions. Yeah. I can't forget those. So first thing, um, because I get a lot of fans wanting some guidance on this. If a fan sees you out in public, should they approach you? And if so, what's, what's the best way to do that? Um, nobody ever recognizes me in LA because, um, well, I'm wearing last night's porn makeup, to be honest, but I never go out looking like this. I just look like your typical blonde girl. But, um, yeah, the, the, that's so funny because we talked about this during my live show last night, too. Um, I've had some really lovely experiences being recognized, but everyone was cool about it. Like, I've only been recognized maybe 20 times my whole career, and I'm fine with that. But We're like, talking about, obviously, outside of conventions because clearly you're recognized yeah, at conventions. Yeah, just okay. out in public. But, like um, – one lovely time was I was in a cab in Vegas. And then as the guy dropped us off, as we were getting out, he said, hey, by the way, Aaliyah? And I said, yeah. And he said, I love your work. What you do is great. And I went, thank you. And another time I was on a plane and waiting to go to the bathroom. And I had a hoodie pulled over my face and tied up. Because, like, <laughs> when I'm on a plane, I'm just yeah crazy. Yeah, yeah. And the guy behind me just went, hey, nice work. 
And I said, excuse me? He goes, I know who you are. I know what you do. Great work. And I just went, hey, thanks. So, yeah, of course there is a right and a wrong way to approach somebody. Um, don't follow women around in stores staring at them or don't try to take a picture of them without them noticing. We feel it, and it's so creepy, and we don't know exactly why you're following us, so it's also kind of like the danger element. Mm. That's happened before, but I've also done that to Hollywood celebrities, not on purpose, but just because my brain is trying to think, how do I know this person? Yeah. So I'll stare at them. Yeah, or like, is that actually who I think it is? Yeah, once I was in this yeah. celebrity's face just staring at them, and my friend elbowed me, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, are we friends with her or something? And he goes, we were watching her on the Housewives of Beverly Hills 20 minutes ago. Oh, she's in my elevator. So yeah, sure, approach. Um, Just be cool and be kind. But I've also heard girls say that they were out with family or out with, you know, out on a first date and somebody came over and said... I know you from porn. Uh, so, you know, read the room, feel the situation out, but just yeah. be cool. But I, I, I can only speak for me. Yeah. I think saying something like, um, I like your work is, is a really nice way to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think when you're out with family, so actually, so I never get recognized in public. It's only happened to me once before, except for this happened once, once on the Santa Monica pier, like eight years ago, but I actually did. It did happen to me. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was with my husband and my daughter and the guy didn't come up to me. He emailed me later. Uh-huh. He like found my, or maybe he, I think he followed me already. And he emailed me. He said, Hey, I just wanted to say, I just saw you at blah, blah, blah. Oh. Um, you were with your husband and your daughter. So I didn't want to approach, but I just wanted to say like, I love your work and I'm a big fan. And I was like, Shout thank you. you yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, like for me, because my family we're, we're so tied in porn. Like you can't, like, if you see me out with my mom, it's like not embarrassing for you to say that like, right. You love my right. work. Actually, the worst thing about that would, my mom would be like, what about me? I started shooting porn. I taught her. <laughs> I taught her how to shoot porn. <laughs> that would be the only problem with that. But yeah. Um, I think in general, if you see that, like, I think Angela White put it really well. She's like, if you see me with like significantly older people or like significantly younger people, right. maybe don't come up to me. Right. Because that means family. Yeah. So, right. And a few times I've been recognized and I've gotten so shy that I lied. And then I felt so bad about the lie that I posted on twice. Someone's been like, aren't you a porn star? Don't I recognize you? And I went, no. I don't know what you're talking about. Your name isn't Aaliyah? No. And then I went home and I went, I feel so bad for lying. So then I posted on Twitter, hey, guy in line at Ralph's, if you're reading this, it was me. I lied. Sorry. (laughs) And I've done that twice. Oh, my God. That's good. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure some people would love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get to the Patreon questions okay. because I don't want to forget about that. And by yeah. the way, if you are a member of my Patreon, um, you will also be able to submit questions for my guests. Cool. So um, let's see. I'm actually – I just got to the comments on this live feed. Um, are there more now? Uh, yeah. Oh. And he said, I was taught at a young age by a couple of more experienced lovers that you should make her come twice before she even sees your penis. Wow. wow. Props to you, Andy. I know. 
Text Andy my number. Um, <laughs> and then Danny said, when Aaliyah was describing neck pain from the bulging discs, it sounded neurological. I'm glad she's doing okay now. But now that they're talking about penis size, my daughter walked into the room. <laughs> I'll have to listen to the rest of this later. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, Danny. <clears throat> okay. Let's uh, get to the questions. I just only have a couple of them. So Jacob says, it seems as if the women have more of an acting background in general. Uh, do you have an acting background, Aaliyah? And does the script make a difference to you? <laughs> um, we're kind of just, th- I, I, no, I don't have an acting background at all. Um, we're kind of just thrown into it. And then I think... Those that are good at memorizing scripts and getting that acting out um, are offered more roles like that. I've been very lucky. I've done a lot of Wicked features in particular. Um, But also, how do I say this? How good my acting is on like a 40-page script feature depends on the cast and crew and how long um, they give you to prepare like on, on like a Wicked set. Me and my partner would go over our lines over and over and over again. And then we'd go to set and see how we're going to move and act and do it. And then we'd do one take and then, you know, we do a bunch of takes and every time we get better. So if you allow me that and if the person I'm interacting acting with um, is into it too, mm-hmm. then yeah, but um, I was going to say thank you for saying that, but he just said the girls in general. Um, yeah, I, I, I think women in general have to, uh, how do I say this sweetly? We have to act more in in everyday life. (laughs) So maybe that's why, or I don't know why, but um, no, no acting experience whatsoever besides porn. And I love the acting roles. I think they're a lot of fun, but sometimes they give us, you know, a two page script five minutes before, and then they get frustrated that you don't know the lines. And then I start getting flustered. And then I notice that the guy has a hard dick. And then I'm like, oh my God, if I keep fucking these lines up, I'm going to fuck this boner up. And, and then I don't know how that acting comes out, but. Well, I don't know. I always refer back to that amazing scene with Tyler Nixon that I shot (laughs) with you for Naughty America about the photocopy penis office scene Naughty office or whatever they call it. So good. It was so good that I literally played it for my family at the table at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because it was so funny. Yeah. And you and Tyler are like oh my God. amazing together. And it was I love hysterical. porn with comedy. Like yeah. I always buzz jokes in the middle of my scenes. And I don't know if they edit them out or not because I don't watch my scenes. Mm-hmm. But no, hardly anybody ever mentions them. So – I think maybe they do. There's another funny one I did with Nathan Bronson mm. where uh, he was Child Protective Services. <laughs> and so my, the props were all baby toys, a high chair. They had me in a dirty shirt and I'm washing the kitchen. And he comes in to take my baby. And basically it's, hey, what if I fuck you? So while he's fucking me, I'm like, I'm such a good mother. And he's like, yes, you are. And like, we just made it as funny as possible. It's just so ridiculous. But yeah, me and Tyler really, 
He was like, take the dick and get it as close to my face as you can and shove it in my face. <laughs> it was so hard to keep a straight face. But oh. I was dying behind the camera. Like I was like, I had literally like, like I shoved my fist in my mouth because I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. I was like, I don't know how you guys are keeping a straight face. I was just like, I couldn't hold the camera. I had to put it on a tripod. I was just like rolling. It was so good. Yeah. If you guys haven't watched that scene, watch that scene. Yeah. Go check it out. (laughs) Okay. Last question is from Danny. Um, the one who's not watching right now because his daughter walked into the room. Uh, of all the porn parodies you have shot, which one was your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Do you have a couple favorites? Um, I don't think I've done that many parodies, to be honest. The first one that comes up is American Hustle. Um, and we're talking about Tommy Pistol a lot today. Mm. I won an award for my scene with Tommy Pistol. And, um, first of all, what's that actress's name that's in the actual American hustle? Jennifer Lawrence. No, gosh, everyone listening right now is going anyways, she's absolutely gorgeous. So when they were trying to talk me into doing the movie at a very reduced price, um, <laughs> wait, who, who was the movie for American hustle? No, oh, who, uh, what studio. Will Ryder. I fucking knew it. I knew it. Fucking creep motherfucker. I knew it. He's always talking people down on their rates. He's famous yep, for that. Yep, yep, <sighs> yep. But the energy on that set was amazing. And uh, Amy Adams. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, no, Jennifer Lawrence was Oh, yeah, it? Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. So they kept texting me pictures of her and saying, look, you look just like her. And it really did for my ego. And mm-hmm. I went, Really? So that was part of the reason I accepted the movie. And we won an award for that. And should I tell a really gross story about that scene? It will ruin the scene for people. Wonderful. My favorite thing to do is to ruin porn. That's what this podcast is about. It's, it's, I'm here to ruin your fantasies about porn. All right, here we go. Well, uh, there's an agent that likes to come to set sometimes and bring his girls food. His name is Mark Spiegler. Aw, Spiegs. Yeah. So he brought, um, it was a bunch of Spiegler girls and me on set, and he brought them a bunch of McDonald's. And these gorgeous Spiegler girls with their beautiful figures said, oh, I'm not eating that. And I said, I'll eat it. And I ate like four servings of McDonald's fries. And then me and Tommy go to do our scene. And by then it's like 4 a.m. And something Tommy knows I love is when he chokes me out with his fingers and I choke and then I spit and then he pulls it and then Mm -hmm. he eats the spit oh i feel like i know where this is going yeah yeah yeah. so we're fucking and we're fucking and another reason tommy's a great fucker is you could just make eye contact with him and he knows exactly what you need Mm -hmm. harder softer whatever so we're fucking we're fucking and i look up at him and he just moves his (laughs) head to the side and we were on a couch and i just turned around and went and I just puked all the fries up behind the couch. Oh, my God. But he, he went for my ass at the time. So the camera rolls in, zooms in on him playing with my ass. As I'm puking, blah, blah, all the French fries come up. Like, it's a lot of puke. And then I just flip my head around, and he immediately goes to kiss me because Tommy's Tommy. <laughs> And we just continued on with the scene. There was no cuts. And then afterwards, we were like, yeah. And everyone in the room went, 
what? And it was a huge production. So there was like six other people in the room. And nobody noticed. And to this day, I guess, I've never watched a scene. But if you watch it, you don't notice. But I blew chunks during that scene. And we kept going. Wait, they didn't, you couldn't hear you puking? I was very quiet about it. The show must go on. (laughs) So, yeah, we were just so slick about it that we pulled off an entire scene where I just. That is a true professional right there. It wasn't a little gag. It wasn't a little. Yeah. It was, yeah, four four servings of large French fries. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's still one of my favorite scenes. And then as the sun was coming up at 5 a.m., they were going to light a microwave on fire and I had to use a fire extinguisher to put it out. And I'd never used a fire extinguisher before. And we were in, in a closed space with no windows or doors open. Of course. Definitely not up to code. Oh. And I was so nervous. Porn is never up to code. And I was shaking and I had been on set for like 22 hours by that time. Yeah. But I, I did it. I put the fire out. But um, yeah, so that was a fun shoot. It was fun playing Jennifer. Lawrence. And it was fun fucking Tommy and puking without anybody noticing. So I'd say that's my favorite, but I don't even know how many parodies I've done. Not a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what anybody's done. I don't watch porn ever. Do people still do parodies? Not so much. I, don't I haven't think seen so. any for a while. Yeah. I don't think it's it's not such a big thing as it was. I don't know if Axel's still shooting. I oh, yeah, Axel. He's still yeah. shooting them for Super the new Hero. Wicked, which is owned by Gamma now. So everything's changed over there. Oh, I see. So, yeah, a lot of things changed up with COVID. It's kind of crazy. The Canadians rule us all. <laughs> Good thing they're so nice. <laughs> well, Aaliyah, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing. Thank you for I, having me. I was so nervous. No, you were incredible, as always. I mean... I love how we like started with this really like touching, moving story. We both cried. We, both we cried. talked about God, and then we talked about we defaulted to dicks. <laughs> I Just, mean, it is a Holly Randall podcast. We got to talk about dicks a little bit, and, right? and I do that every time. I have actually gone into really like serious conversations with people that are really like deep and kind of uncomfortable, and then I'm like, let's talk about dicks. That's always my segue is like dicks. Yeah, well, if you're in porn, you, you can expect to talk about dick sometime during yeah. the interview. I'd like to mix a little, like, near-death life experiences, <laughs> like, existential crisis with a little bit of, like, penis size yeah. talk. You and know? now every dick I get from but here on out, I will be more grateful for <laughs> because of that moment. Gratitude for those dicks of all sizes. Oh, my God. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you, too, Holly. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Plug all your plugs. Okay. I'm on OnlyFans like everybody. It's just OnlyFans.com slash Love. I have a second page too. It's free. It's Love free. But it's basically just trying to get you to go to the other page. Which you really should do because she has a huge hospital bill coming up. Yes. Please, <laughs> please. Um <sighs> Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter, Love 69 It's a little hard to spell, but I, I believe in you. You can figure it out. I have the same name on Instagram, but fuck Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm on a million other websites, but I just want you to go to my OnlyFans right now. That would be great. Yes. And you would love it. Yes. Go to her OnlyFans, tip her a ton of money. 
buy all of her locked DMs. Yeah. If you're going to give me a tip, tip on a scene so you get a scene out of it. Win-win. There you go. (laughs) And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Instagram and on Twitter. If you want to support this podcast and be able to submit questions and watch it live, as my current members have been doing, you can go to patreon.com slash Holly Randall unfiltered. And thank you so much for joining us and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my show and want to support it, I ask that you take the time to rate and review my podcast. Now, if you're not sure how to do that, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU and you'll automatically be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then be led to the place where you can rate my show. Five stars, of course and leave your glowing review. Okay, it doesn't have to be glowing, but you know, say something nice. You can also financially support this show through my Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Unfiltered, where you get so many perks for your support. Things such as early releases and live recordings of my interviews, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, autographed copies of my photography books, free access to my private Snapchat and not-safe-for-work website hollyrandall.com, and my bonus podcast, My LA Porn Life. Also, join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Holly Randall Unfiltered, and you can watch the video versions of these interviews at youtube.com slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. Oh, and of course, sign up for my newsletter at hollyrandallunfiltered.com and get all the info on upcoming guests and special projects. Again, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting my podcast in whatever way that you can.